This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Cullum. This week's guest needs no introduction. John Eldridge is on the show, and as expected, he counsels our hearts and our souls into a richer experience of the love of God. We discuss the collective trauma experienced as we continue life during a pandemic. We also discuss the practice of regular pauses to give everything and everyone to God and what it means to practice benevolent detachment. If you have found yourself anxious or worried or bombarded with the what ifs, I want to invite you to do two things. Number one, begin praying scripture. I have a free resource, 10 scripture prayers that will calm your heart. Go to graceenoughpodcast.com and you will see the resource on the homepage. Second, Download the free pause app from John's ministry, Wild at Heart. I know these two resources are helpful in calming your heart and refocusing it back on Christ because I use them on a regular basis. Okay, friends, now let's begin this week's conversation with John Eldridge. Practice, pause, be present. Good morning, John, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thanks, Amber. Great to be with you. This is a real um, joy and honor for me. And it's interesting because I went and actually asked some of my friends, what would you ask John if you could sit down with him? And while several people gave me questions, most of them were like, what? You're sitting down to talk with John Eldridge? So thank you. (laughs) Oh, sweet. Yeah. So tell everybody, I love to get started hearing about how People came to know Christ, not just that moment, quote unquote, but really how you came to know him. And my friend Eric said, if I could ask him something, I would love to know how his theater background really informs um, the way that he sees Christ and the way that he works in our human hearts and minds. Um, I actually had two conversions in my life. I was not raised in a believing home. I was raised in a fairly uh, typical American home, agnostic, you know, work hard, just be good people. Mm -hmm. My dad was an alcoholic, ended up blowing up, you know, his marriage and the family. And and there was a lot of heartache in that. I actually ended up becoming kind of a street kid, Hmm. uh, almost homeless in many ways. And I, I was searching really hard in high school. I was spiritually hungry and I was reading everything I get my hands on new age, Eastern mysticism. Uh, We used to go out in the desert and build sweat lodges and practice native American spirituality. Yeah. In high school, in high school. Yeah. I was super hungry, really spiritually thirsty and Jesus Christ simply walked into my life. I actually didn't have anyone share the gospel with me. I didn't, I'd never been to church. In my life, he walked into my life. 
and uh, around the age of 18. And it was, it was such a radical change. I mean, it just rippled through my former high school mates because I was really radical. I got kicked out of high school. I had a police record. I was a crazy, crazy guy. And they're like, you're not going to believe this. John Eldridge has become a Christian. <laughs> so it was really fun. I got to talk to a lot of people about it because they're like, what? Um, including my dear wife, which is a really sweet story. So wow. we, yep, I led her to Christ. And that's, that's awesome. when our, yeah, that's when our romance started. That's a really sweet story. But the second major conversion you know, I, 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 coming from an alcoholic home, coming from a, a, you know, a drug culture and street kid and that kind of thing, I had a lot of internal trauma mm -hmm. and that stuff doesn't just go away nope. when you, when you come to Christ, sometimes, sometimes he does really phenomenal things. He actually, I got, I was off drugs like in three weeks. So that was a wow. miracle. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, all of that. But when I hit my thirties, I hit a wall. And there was all of this anger and emotion coming out. I didn't know where it was from. And I just thank God a thousand times over, reached out to a friend and he said, you ought to go see this counselor that I know. He's a really good guy, help you sort through things. And so my second great conversion was the realization of how central the heart is. Mm. And of course, I've gone on to become a therapist myself. And I write about the heart. I talk about the heart, like the heart is, you know, very central to my view of the world. And then the theater piece was fascinating because to operate in the theater, I thought it would be my career. I, I was, I was fairly successful uh, in the theater in my twenties to be, an, to be an actor, to be a director, you have to be a psychologist. You have to get inside the character. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got like, what makes people tick and why are they, you know, wired the way they are, that sort of thing. So I've always been fascinated with story, people's mm -hmm. stories. I love listening to people's stories. Uh, if we had time, what we would do with our podcast is you and I would t tell each other our stories, right? Yeah. And then mid thirties, what I decided I wanted to do was become a therapist, but it was still about story, right? I just mm -hmm. moved from the story on the stage into the story uh, of people's hearts. And then that took me to the story of the global stage of what God is doing, the story that he's telling in the world. So there is a theme, there is kind of a thread that goes through it. So tell me, did you meet your wife? in theater is that how you all met or were you guys mm -hmm. high school mm -hmm. okay i feel like i'm like wait a minute i remember this oh yeah yeah we went to the same high school we ran in a pretty rowdy crowd <laughs> me uh, too <laughs> yeah she had a she had a very very beautiful faith as a child mm. um, she was raised catholic and she had a very sincere very real faith but unfortunately by high school in the 60s in los angeles was you know the hippie movement and the drug culture. And it was the crazy, you know? Wow. Uh, so yeah, we, we were friends, but we didn't become romantic until my conversion. Okay. I, I was, I was a jerk, man. You know, I, and then to go after her heart, to fight for the healing of her heart from, mm. from so many of her traumas has been a beautiful part of our story. So Awesome. I, yes, I wish I could just sit and talk, like you said, right? about this for yeah. hours and hours, but um, we don't have uh, the benefit of that right now. And so 
I do want to talk a little bit about the book that you released prior to the pandemic and really just the ideas um, that you put in that book, Get Your Life Back. And so it's all about, you know, disentangling from the tragedies of this broken world. And wow, how crazy that then, I mean, we launched into a state of brokenness that, I mean, you couldn't have foreseen, right? And so two years with the world, having, you know, lived in this global pandemic, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how has that really impacted human hearts and minds from your perspective? Yeah, I'm really glad to be able to have a conversation about that, Amber, because what we have all experienced is global trauma. We've all been through two years of global trauma, but right now people are so desperate for life to just be normal again. Can we just get back, you guys? Come on, everybody, that we're actually not admitting to ourselves what it's like to live through two years of global trauma and the Mm. effect that it has on the soul. And so I love, I love Jesus so deeply and I love his kindness. So we came out with this book and we also came out with an app called the one minute pause. Now we're not an app company. We don't build apps, <laughs> but I was just moved to share this practice that we had been doing as a team of learning to pause during your day, give everything over to God, recenter in Christ. So we released that right before the pandemic and then, and then crazy hits. And it was crazy on top of crazy, because it's not like life was Edenic in 2019. You know, the modern world's exhausting. It fries you. Amen. Yeah. So we're all fried and exhausted coming into the pandemic. And then it's then it's the really hard times. So I think what I would say in an election year. Oh, gosh. And probably the most um, hate filled election I've ever seen. And I mean, I saw Reagan's election. I, mm. you know, I saw Clinton's election. You know, we've seen a lot of, uh, of pretty wild elections, but well, I, think, I think the message would be this, is that when you face crisis like we've been through, you have to tap into your reserves. And everybody did, everybody rallied, way to go people, way to go everybody, mm-hmm. but, but your reserves are now tapped out. And we have to be very conscious at this point to care for our souls, to deal with the trauma uh, uh, and to replenish our reserves because it's not like we're in terrific shape for the next crisis to come along. And it may just be a personal thing, right? That suddenly a loved one gets ill or a child has needs or that sort of thing. And humanity is not exactly, in the most loving place these days <laughs> because they're tapped out, they're fried, mm-hmm. they're, they're exhausted. And so, yeah, God yeah. had us release, get your life back as a book about caring for your soul. The pause app is a simple practice and Jesus knew he knew what was coming. He had us release that literally came out in February. So crazy of 2020. And then the pandemic rolls through. And, and so, yeah, Well, and it's interesting because my friend, Amy Pittman, just the other day came up to me and she said, okay, so I hear you're sitting down with John Eldridge, you know, like the pause app, like saved my life. And I said, wait, what? She said, well, I mean, not saved my life, you know, Jesus saved my life, but she said, I was so burned out with the pace of life. This was pre pandemic. Right. And she said it in pandemic, I learned from that to just 
how to kind of take some things off my plate, but also to pause and to put things in perspective. And she's like, you know, it allowed me to say yes to becoming CBS teaching director and some other things. And so I want you to talk a little bit about what are some of those soul care things that we can do right now, because I get it. I think we all get it. The weight, the heaviness that feels like it's really, it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. It's not still stressful times. So among the practices in the book that we incorporated into the pause is a practice that I call benevolent detachment. Mm -hmm. And it is learning to surrender everything to Christ and cast all your cares upon him is the invitation because he cares for you, right? Mm -hmm. That's the invitation of the gospel. Cast all your cares Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I realized was, let me give you an example. So when 9-11 hit, it was obviously massive PTSD for New York City, you know, but here's what they discovered. They discovered that the same level of PTSD existed in the people around the country and around the world who simply watched it on television. Yeah. Okay. So what they discovered is that simply watching or hearing traumatic news is traumatizing to the human soul. And then there was a British anthropologist who did this uh, kind of research on human villages down through the centuries and the size of the cerebral cortex of the human brain. And he concluded that you are designed to live in a community of about 150 people. But technology has opened us up to the heartache of the world. And we just think it's normal. You open your, you turn your phone on in the morning and there it all is. The heartache Mm -hmm. of everyone, you know, all your friends and their feed and all that. But then, you know, the death count in Delhi and the wildfires in Australia and the human trafficking ring that just got busted in Belize and da-da-da-da-da. Okay. Folks, (laughs) like there's got to be a point in your day where you let all that go. Mm -hmm. You have to let that go. And so I began, before I wrote the book, before any of this happened, I began pulling in my driveway at the end of the day. I'd turn off my engine, but I wouldn't get out of the car. I'd lay my head down on my steering wheel. Mm -hmm. And I would just say, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. And it takes a little while to kind of learn. It's like riding a bike or, you know, learning to ski or something. You have to kind of figure it out. You settle into, I give everyone and everything to you. And I think that that one practice, if people could just learn benevolent detachment and it's, I'm not cynical, I'm not angry, I'm, you know, It's benevolent. It's something I'm doing out of kindness, but I am detaching from the heartache, the chaos, the politics, the vaccines, the da 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 da, right? All that stuff. I need need to let it go. I just need to let it go and and more than once a day, right? But if you can do it once a day, it's it's gonna really help. Well, and I think that once a day leaves you craving more of that. Right. And I know you guys have now, you know, gone from one minute pause to, is it three and then five and then 10 or. Yes. Yes. My my team wanted me to put a 10 minute pause in there. And I'm like, folks, 
there's nobody, no one is going to pause for 10 minutes in this crazy world. It sounds like an eternity for people. And when the pandemic hit, the 10 minute pause was the most second most used pause. There's the one minute, you know, and then, mm -hmm. um, and then we added a couple months ago, we added a five minute pause for mental resilience. Oh yeah. And it is so fabulous. It's mm. really, really great. You kind of word it as, um, you know, we don't need to care for the, the needs of the world, but the needs of our village. And we hear people at times like feeling guilty about turning that off. Um, but that's not how God has created us. Like it's actually trying to take his role a little bit by thinking yes. you can care for the needs of the world. And so what would you say to those people on how to just kind of scale it back, you know, to stop thinking that you have to know and care about everything? Yes. When you watch Jesus move through the gospels, you are watching love incarnate. Mm. So what does love look like? towards people in need? What does love look like towards people who are angry at you? Whatever, whatever, however you see Jesus moving, you're watching love, okay? And his ability to just walk away from human need. I mean, it is the first chapter of Mark. The story is just getting rolling. And it says, you know, Jesus had healed someone so that by the next morning, the whole village is at the door and they're looking for Jesus and he's gone. Yep. And he's off, he's getting some solitude. He's getting some space. And they, they come up to him and Peter says to him, Lord, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus says, we should probably leave. Yeah, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> yes. And you're like, wait, what? Like, you're the savior of the world. Wait, all these people are, have so much hope. Why would you leave? But Jesus is, he's not bound by human need. Love is mm. not bound by human need. That's codependence. Right. Love has the ability to offer or not offer, hmm. depending on what God is doing in the moment. And then you, yeah, then you take that to a global level and you just go, folks, you are a very little person in a very big world. It's right? not your job. It's not your job, folks. I got great news for you. Not, not your job. And Take praise care. God. It's not right. <laughs> like and that's something too. I mean, I think in conversations that I've had at times, like I, I don't feel super guilty about turning that off. I'm not saying I do great at it, but I have actually said that to people too. Like your part of your stress, you're carrying it because you're carrying like things of the world that actually have no bearing on you. And it doesn't make you selfish by choosing not to know yes. the things going on on the other side of the world. Yes. I am a deeply empathetic person. And one of the practices I had to learn was to consecrate my mm. empathy to Christ. Okay. I, I, oh man, I cry at commercials. I'm a pushover. And so when I open the news, it just wrecks me. It just wrecks me. And I, I know that that you should know them by their fruit. You know, there's, mm. there, it isn't faith, hope, joy, love. You know, that's, that isn't the fruit of the news, Right. I don't come True out of story. there, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, a better person. And so I realized I have to say, Jesus, I give you my compassion mm -hmm. and I give you my empathy for you to guard 
and for you to guide where you want me to express it. But most of the stuff of the world, you know, I, I'll say a prayer. I, you know, I pray those fires go out. I pray those kids get rescued, but I got to let it go. I got to let it go. Yeah. And you're not, yeah, you're not selfish because of that. I like that. Consecrate your empathy yeah. to Christ. Well, speaking of our mental and emotional well-being, how can we really be present in our emotions so that we can allow Christ, allow Jesus to come in without being ruled by those emotions? Yeah. A baseball bat and a trash can. <laughs> more, more, please, more, please. <laughs> I, I have a baseball bat and a trash can. Oh. Uh, and, Cause the thing is the world that we live in is designed to make you upset. Mm. And everybody, everybody's, everybody wants you upset about their cause. So did you hear about this? You should really be upset. Did you hear about that? You should really be upset. You know, did you hear about this injustice? You should really be upset. Well, mm -hmm. <clears throat> what are you going to do with all that? You, you, you take a wooden spoon to a couch cushion and you just whack it and you say, Lord, this makes me so upset, you know, or whatever it is. You, you have to have an outlet for your emotions, mm. but at the same time, you can't let them drive the bus. And, and this is, this is what maturity means, right? That because kind of, we live in the age of authenticity, people want to be authentic. <laughs> Right. And so they say, you know, I just don't feel like I, I just don't feel like I love that person anymore. You go, yeah, well, hang on a second. Just because you don't feel that you don't love them, you know, that, that isn't a reason to break your marriage. Truth. If you want to be authentic, let's be authentic about that. <laughs> well, people are, what's really sad is that people are doing it now, Amber, with God, there's a, there's a real falling away going on. And, and it's a lot of it is born out of heartache and disappointment mm -hmm. and, and years of, you know, pandemic trauma. But people are saying, you know, I just don't feel, I just don't feel God anymore. I just don't feel him around. I don't feel. And that, that is letting your emotions drive the bus. Mm -hmm. it, it's important to have a healthy emotional life. You read the Psalms and David, you know, it's, he's all over the place, weeping, laughing, raging but he doesn't give up on God. Mm. And so you give your emotions expression. And sometimes it's just you in the car. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> hears you. It's you and the Lord in the car and you're banging on the steering wheel or you're crying or whatever. You, you allow yourself an emotional life, but you don't let your emotions drive the bus. Mm. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit my job today. I'm so done with this. Right. Right. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Let's talk. Let's talk to Jesus about that. Yeah. I mean, cause Sh Sharon Garlow Brown, I don't know if you know who that is, but she's written the series sensible shoes and some other things. And, you know, we were talking about that a little bit, that idea of like, sometimes God will remove that quote unquote feeling of him to help you realize that his presence is really always there, even when you don't feel him, quote unquote. And we kind of wrestled through that a little bit. And I thought, wow, that's such a powerful thing because you really have to dig into that and really sit with that for, it may be months, it may be years yeah. before you get to a place of really 
believing all the things that maybe you once believed or believing them somewhat differently instead of just walking away? You know, the really surprising vulnerability to this is people who actually have a lot of experience of God, because over time, you're just so used to experiencing his love or his comfort or his guidance, you know, his counsel. You're so you're so used to the presence of God that when it feels like mm-hmm. he has withdrawn, it can really throw you. Yeah. And then the other thing, Amber, just to kind of be kind to folks. So the pandemic clobbered everybody. And now everybody's rushing out. We got restaurants back, you know, school mostly back, work, you know, kind of, okay. So everybody's rushing out. This summer, you could not get an Airbnb. You couldn't get a rental car. It was fascinating. It's so I, weird. <laughs> oh, well, the, it was binging. This is classic <laughs> trauma behavior. Okay. You get out, you get out from under the trauma and, and there's all this self-comforting that goes on. The world was binging this summer, trying to care for their beat up souls, mm. but it doesn't work. A two week vacation doesn't, is not enough mm. to care for your beat up souls. And now here's what's rolling in. The enemy sees humanity in a very vulnerable state and what I would call desolation is sort of rolling through the human race Mm -hmm. and, and people are experiencing emptiness and deep fatigue and the loss of the feeling of the Mm -hmm. presence of God in pretty, like, I'm talking about really close to home, friends of mine. Oh, me too walking away from their faith. And what I want to say is, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. You are beat up. Your soul is hammered. You're exhausted. And the enemy is bringing in all these feelings of abandonment or desolation or barrenness, or I don't feel or whatever. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. Like, guard your heart. Mm. Proverbs 4 23 guard your heart above all else like don't make deep and profound agreements with I'm just so done and then fill in the blank I'm just so done with this marriage I'm so done with this school I'm so done with this job do you know are you familiar with the phenomenon of the great resignation Mm, five okay get this five million people are quitting their jobs every month <clears throat> I'm not surprised though, John, because I've gone to places and I'm like, wait a minute. It's not just the restaurants that don't have enough employees. Like my daughter's gymnastics coaches are just like, yes. not there. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Five where are they going? People. Exactly. Where, where are, they going? are they going? Okay. This started in April and they, they saw a trend. And so they named it the great resignation. And then it began to pick up speed, August, September, 5 million people a month. They aren't, they don't have new jobs. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. The beleaguered human soul really tapped out. I got no reserves. I got no margin for nothing. And then the enemy rolling through with these feelings of discouragement, hopelessness, I don't believe anymore, that sort of thing. And people are just tapping out. They're just tapping out. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Everybody, hang on. Guard your heart. Like, And I, I have had that sentence come out of my own mouth. The sentence, I am so done with. Me too. And then just fill in the blank, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's the thing, right? Like, I'm so done with church. 
I mean, how, like I've said that myself, like not necessarily just my church, but yes. you know, I, and I think something too, that definitely plays into this. And I know that, you know, you've written about this and would agree as well is with all of the social media and everything, like I actually had to say to a couple of my friends and my spouse, like, I just can't listen to sermons right now from other places because it's breeding discontentment mm. in me for the place that God has put me right now. Now that doesn't mean forever that I can't do that, but sometimes the access to information just breeds the discontentment for the place that he has us. Oh, this is so envy and jealousy. Mm -hmm go up in direct relation to the amount of time you spend on social media. Lots of research on that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Envy and jealousy. Yeah, because you see people's great lives mm -hmm. or at least their life that they're putting forward on social right. media, right? <laughs> and you think to yourself, wait a second, why can't I you know, fill in the blank? Why can't I work in Seattle? Why can't I go to Tahiti? Why can't I have children? Why can't, you know, yeah. and it's the, the comparison thing. And this comes back to benevolent detachment. So mm -hmm. you asked a question a little bit ago, what can people do to care for their souls? I would say limit your news consumption and limit your social media. Now, the happiest people I know have gotten completely off of social media. So <laughs> my husband says. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you folks, yeah. you shall know them by their fruit. But like, I, okay, I checked the news in the morning. Was there an earthquake? Is the, you know, the governor changed the, the protocols or whatever? Sure, get the basics and then get out. Mm -hmm. Get off that stuff. Mm -hmm. Social media, say hi to your friends, look at a few photos and then get off it. Mm. You want to care for your soul. What you do is you get beauty back into your life. Mm -hmm. You do things that nourish you. You like taking walks. If you love listening to beautiful music or playing music, if you like to ride your bike, if, you know, just painting, reading, mm -hmm. studying history, whatever kind of is your vibe that brings your soul goodness, get off of technology and go do those things. Mm -hmm. And in one month, you will be a happier person. Yeah, I've talked to so many guests and several of them have said, just think back to your 10 year old self, like what is something that 10 year old self really likes to do? And that's not always I mean, it's not 100% accurate, but more than likely what 10 year old self like to do would still find joy in that today, like you said, whether it's painting, drawing, walking, being in nature, climbing trees, like, there's so many things that as adults, we just forget about. Yeah, that's, that's actually really good counsel. Right? It's, yeah, it is. It is. It's caring for the neglected places in our souls. Mm -hmm. Oh, and doesn't God speak through nature? It's like, oh my goodness. It's a beautiful thing. Um, well, my friend Eric said that he heard you give one of the most beautiful presentations of the gospel at a, I guess it was a conference he went to out in Colorado several years ago. And, um, I'm just curious if you'll share a little bit of how you lay out, you know, God is telling this full story through the gospel, through all of it from beginning to end. Tough thing to do in a podcast. That's right. I know, <laughs> but, but let me start in a surprising place, folks. I want you to think of your favorite movies. 
Think of your favorite movies and they're going to be really unique to every listener. Mm-hmm. We're going to go, oh, I love Lord of the Rings or, oh, no, I love the new Star Wars stuff or, uh, you know, I love Sense and Sensibility or whatever it is. Think of your favorite movies. The reason that you love them is because they are bringing a portion of the story of God to you. You actually cannot write a good story. You can't write a good script without borrowing from the story of God. <clears throat> so you take something like Gladiator, and an evil king has taken over the kingdom. Well, that's 1 John 5, yeah. right? And that's Darth Vader, and that's Sauron, and that's the Matrix, and that, like, every story has that. Every story has the reality of some dark force has taken over the kingdom. That's right. We're waiting for redemption. Yep. And then a savior type figure enters the story. Maximus was the appointed king, but he ends up giving his life for the freedom of the people. And you're weeping towards the end of the movie. It's because you're weeping at the truth of the story of God. Your life is part of a story a beautiful story. It's a love story, but it's set in a world at war. And we either lose the love story part or we lose the war part. And if you don't allow for the war, if you don't understand that God is at war against evil in the world, you will blame all kinds of things on God that that isn't God. The alcoholic home I grew up in, that wasn't God's will for my life. Are you kidding me? That was human sin. That was brokenness. That was evil. And it broke my heart and it did a lot of damage. But but God is at war against evil. And if you lose the love story, then you lose all the good stuff. You lose the beauty and the romance and to realize that God has been wooing your heart ever since you were young. In those things that you loved? Was it the smell of cut grass? Was it Mm. the ocean? Right? There were things that you loved, the smell of pancakes, Christmas morning, everything that's ever like wooed your heart Mm. is God. That is God wooing you to the kingdom of God. Now, here's the really cool part we are living towards the climax of this story. When the king steps back in, okay, the third book in the Tolkien series is the return of the king. king that's like, right. Folks, this, like, this is everywhere. It's everywhere. You're going to start seeing it in every movie that you love. Most people think that the next part of the story is some weird heavenly experience where we like sing forever or something like that. Or we just stand in the presence of God or that sort of thing. Here, the fascinating thing is, is that Jesus says in Matthew 19, he says, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, and then he starts naming our losses, and he says, all of that is going to be restored to you Mm. at the renewal of all things. We are about to see the earth and all of the story renewed, mm-hmm. made new. It, it is the happily ever after that we are longing, longing, longing for. And folks, we are really close to it now. And, and Hebrews calls it the anchor of the soul. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul, that God 
is about to renew everything. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think about um, a book that I read called The Pop Culture Parent, and it really is a lot about paying attention to stories, movies that your kids watch and realizing there are so many redeeming qualities even in the ones that we want to, you know, put our label on as bad, don't let yep. your kids watch, like, yeah. look for what are they longing for? Exactly. What is the person like, because that's us, we're yeah. all longing for the prince to come along, Jesus, like we're all longing for that redemption at the end of yes. the story. So that is beautiful. I know we could get to talking about the new heaven and the new earth, but we, yep, we did we a little sure bit there. But... <laughs> we sure could. So tell me, because I know that, you know, my friend Amy had said something that she wishes she could hear you speak about more is just how you relate to God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit mm. differently. Will you speak to that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to come in through a very surprising door. So father was an alcoholic, mom went back to work and she needed to. And I, I understand that, but she worked until she was 75. Wow. And I, I have no memories of playing with my mother. I have no memories of her reading a book to me. Um, she was doing what she had to do. She had to go back mm -hmm. to work. And, and a couple of years ago, I was on a holiday in Ireland and we're out in the country and there's all, it's just sheep everywhere. So I'm watching these sheep. This mother sheep stands up and her little lamb stands up with her and she goes trotting across the field and her little lamb is just glued to her side. Mm -hmm. And he's just trotting along next to her. And I'm watching this and I realized I have no category for that. Mm -hmm. The whole category of mother in me has just got a lot of just nothing. Uh, in it. And then there's perfection and performance and other stuff that I learned. And God said, you need to let me in there. You need to experience a new side of my love. Let me back up now. I said there were two conversions. Maybe there's three. First conversion was to Jesus. Second was the realization of how central the heart is. And it just changed I me. Mean, it changed my marriage. It changed everything. My parenting style. Because you parent the heart. You don't parent for behavior. You parent the heart. And that's um, and Yeah. Um, I would say the third, probably one of the most valuable things was learning to hear the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the lost treasures of the Christian faith. It's absolutely normative in scripture. The whole scripture is, is just stories of women and men who hear God. And they're not all like the high prophet or the high priest of the year or somebody famous. They're normal people who hear God speaking to them. Mm. And then, you know, John 10, Jesus says, hear my voice. Revelation 3, if anyone hears my voice. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 4, today if you hear his voice. Like, so the scripture is full of a theology that learning to hear the voice of God is meant to be part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. And as you practice this, as you learn to listen to what either Jesus or your father or the Holy Spirit saying to you, 
he is able then to guide you into things like he did for me in Ireland, where he said, John, you have a massive mother need. Hmm. And it's time that we speak to that. It's time that you let my love in there. And I would never have been open to that had he not invited me into it. Because it sounds a little weird. Like, wait a second. I know father love, father God kind of thing, but mother. But then you read Isaiah and he says, as a mother comforts her child, Mm -hmm. so I will comfort you. Mother also comes from God, folks. I have to dig into that in the... How do you know in that moment for you? I mean, I understand that it people's uh, way to get there may look a little differently. Sure. How did you know that was the father speaking and not the son or the Holy oh, Spirit? Oh, okay, sure, right. <clears throat> um, well, the the goal is intimacy. Let's mm-hmm. just start there. Yeah. The goal, the goal is intimacy with God. Well, it's like anybody else, you know, as, as people get to know you, Amber, they discover your personality, right? Mm-hmm. They know your sense of humor. They know when you're being snarky, they, right? That, yeah, well, the same thing with God. God has a personality. So as we grow in intimacy with him, um, I would say you could start here. Jesus, let's start with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. Mm-hmm. So most of our search for truth and understanding and guidance is actually the Holy Spirit in our lives. Mm. And so we can pray, Holy Spirit, I don't get this. You know, is now time for a career change? What are you, what are you saying about that? Guide me into the truth, Holy Spirit. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Jesus is the healer. Mm-hmm. Jesus introduced himself to, I heal the brokenhearted and I set the captives free. Okay. So most of the care of the soul stuff, most of the, I need redemption, I need salvation in this place in my soul, I need healing, I need breakthrough. That's Jesus. That's, that's tends to be his work. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the father, right. It's like, well, this is first John, by the way, guys, he says, I, I write to you young ones. I write to you. I write to you children. I write to you young men. I write to you fathers. He repeats it, I write to you children, I write to you young men, I write to you fathers. We are maturing over the course of our lives in our relationship with God. And and we grow in where he is working in our lives. In fact, I'm I'm deviating, but you you share the story about listening to too many sermons from too many other sources. Because the thing is, we just want to be where God is working currently in our life. And you can hear someone else's story and go, oh, what? Like, they just got the, their dream job. I want my dream job. Mm-hmm. And she just goes, hang on there, Tiger. That's not what <laughs> we're doing right now. Like, we're, we're actually working on something else, right? So that, you know, you're listening to John Elders talk about, about the mothering of God and the healing of this huge mother desolation in me. And you go, oh, I want that. Well, maybe it, that's for this year. Maybe that's for two years from now. Maybe so learning where is God working in your life right now? Mm-hmm. The father is primarily about security and provision. You are utterly secure in my love. You are utterly safe. And I will provide for you. Mm. I will provide. Well, and I think a way to bring that almost full circle is when you come back to 
learning to sit a little bit in silence, learning to do that pause that you, I mean, I know that's part of the reason you probably created it is because really to hear you have to be quiet, maybe not always, but I think so. The more noise we have on our lives, the harder it is to hear, right? Yes, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's name a, let's name a couple helpful things because people now are going, whoa, 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 wait. So the one minute pause is a free app on the app store. It's called the one minute pause and you can download it and it'll walk you through a really simple thing. And then it'll set, you can set your phone and it'll, it'll alert you twice a day. Hey, take a pause. And then I'll guide you in the app through a prayer and some beautiful music and some quiet mm-hmm. so that you can hear from God. There's a book I wrote called Walking with God that would be good if you want to learn more about hearing the voice of God. Mm. Uh, Dallas Willard has a good book on that called Hearing God. There's, there's resources out there because it's something like an instrument, learning to play an instrument, learning to drive a car, learning to hear the practice. voice of God takes some practice. It, it, it just does. Yeah, it does. So those are two, two things that'll help people go further. Yeah. And so tell me with the pause app, is it that as you do the one minute pause, then it goes forward to the three minute pause, or can you start with that immediately? You have to do three, one minute pauses to open up the rest. We just would like, people are going to like jump straight to the 10 minute. You go, no, 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 no. This is like learning to ride a bike. Do it for 60 seconds a couple of times, and then you can, op- you can open up the other features in there. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask, what are you working on right now? Well, part of what's killing me is so much of this conversation is actually in the next book that's coming out, which is called Resilient. And it comes out in June, but okay. it has a, how do you heal from global trauma? How do you develop a resilient soul? How do you, yeah, there's just some really beautiful things in there, actually including uh, the mothering of God and how he brings his comfort and assurance into our lives. So that's that's the next thing. We're also going to build that into the pause. There's going to be 30 days to resilience in the pause app. So that's a new feature. A couple of things that we're working on. That is awesome. Well, as we begin to close out here, I mean, I feel like, Like I said, I could talk and talk and ask you all the questions, but a podcast is not really, uh, lend itself to that. And so this podcast is called grace enough. And I know from personal experience and just being in the family of God that we so often experience the grace of God, every moment of our lives that sometimes we don't even recognize it. Will you share a time, maybe it's now, maybe it's the past, maybe it's the overarching story of your life where you no doubt can say like, I, God's unending grace was really poured out upon me. Mm. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. So this summer, because the world was beginning to open back up, I really wanted to travel this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have learned that good ideas are not the same thing as God's ideas. And so I ask, I've just learned to ask, hey, Jesus, can we go see our friends in Scotland and Ireland this summer? Mm. And he says, no. And I didn't like that answer. So I kept asking. I didn't like, like it I, for you just now. Yeah. Like I didn't, like I didn't hear him or something. I, I'm like, come on, Lord, really? Can we go? And then a couple of weeks later, can we go? He kept saying no. And it ended up being a massive rescue. Because that's not what I needed this summer. I didn't need travel. I needed rest. 
I needed simplicity mm. in my summer. I needed to just take the dogs for a walk. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I needed to just sit on the porch in the evening and just watch, watch the sunset. I, I needed, and Jesus knew that, but I was not happy mm-hmm. with his, with his, he, he, <laughs> he kind of put a fence around my summer, you know? Really? Uh, uh. And, and now I look back and I go, thank you so much. Thank you. So, I mean, by the time I got to the end of the summer, I'm like, what a rescue. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. So filled with grace. Mm. I love that. Cause sometimes we don't recognize those things as anything more than just an inconvenience. You know, we don't recognize it as God's hand and protection or however you would like to refer to it. Remind me, how old are your kids? So our kids are 30, they're uh, 30, 31, 28, three sons. Yeah. Any grandkids yet? Uh Uh-huh. Oh yeah. We're having a ball. Are they near you? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, good for you. That's so great. All three sons moved away and we really blessed that. They went out of state for college. They got married and they all moved back. And so all three sons live here for now for this season. And so, yeah. And that Um, is a grace of God too, right? Like my goodness, I miss our family. Yep. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. I also just want to say thank you for using the gifts that God has given you to pour into so many of us who are hopeful to do the same thing. Thanks, Amber. There, there is nothing in this life that can compare to the friendship of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We get to be his friends Mm -hmm. and join him in what he's doing in the world. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I would like to close this week's conversation with one of the scripture prayers included on the free resource at graceenoughpodcast.com. 10 scripture prayers to calm your heart. This one is from Psalm 57. Verse 1. Oh God, we take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Hide us there and pour out your mercy upon us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.